Welcome to The Haber Show. Uh, This week's guest is Minnesota Timberwolves head coach Ryan Saunders. Last Wednesday, the 34-year-old coach took to Instagram and spoke out against police brutality in light of George Floyd's killing earlier in the week. Coach Saunders, the son of legendary Minnesota coach Flip, he is the youngest coach in the NBA and also happens to be white. We'll talk about what it means for us young white men in leadership positions and influential platforms to speak out against police brutality and racial injustice. He'll talk about Carl Anthony Towns and Josh Okoji, two Minnesota Timberwolves uh, players, standing up for racial equality at rallies last week and why Ryan decided to use his voice on social media. Uh, so stay tuned to what Coach Saunders and the Minnesota Timberwolves have planned uh, in the coming days to make a difference. And for more on this, I also encourage you to listen to the Run and Plays podcast I did last week with NBC Sports Bay Area Warriors insider Logan Murdoch. It's important, important conversations we're having, um, whether you're white or whether you're African-American, male or female. Um, so without further ado, the important conversation I had with Ryan Saunders. Ryan, uh, thanks for joining the Haber Show today. I know you've been busy trying to get your voice out on the George Floyd killing last week. And um, it's one of those conversations that I I don't think is easy for any of us. Um, But as a 34-year-old white male, you're thinking I'm talking about you, Ryan, but that's me too. Yeah. Um, This is not a conversation that uh, I think a lot of white people are comfortable with. And you know what? that's really good that we're having this conversation and getting out of our quote unquote comfort zone because I can go outside and I go for a run in my neighborhood probably three, four times out of the week. And I'm not bragging because I work out. It's just, these are things about what black males in this country, females in this country deal with prejudice, injustice, on an everyday basis and I feel it right now is just the the pressure to say something but we have a privilege there don't we absolutely and you know I, I appreciate you you have me on and you know talking about this right now because uh you know this this can't be a fad this can't be just a conversation this week because it's it's a media blip blitz it's a it's a news story yep um this has to be continuous we have to find ways to to you know have lasting change and you know it, i guess you know i think if, if we're all being very transparent and very honest as we all should be right now especially you know me i say hey i i wish it didn't take somebody murdered so senselessly you know in my hometown for me to speak out on something like this and I, I think that's okay, okay for, for, to say now, but now, you know, you gotta, you gotta speak out. And I think, I think everybody should rally around the fact that, you know, we're glad, I'm glad that video, we, we could all see that video because it definitely sh- shined a lot, a lot of light on things that, um, and injustices and inequities and not getting the benefit of the doubt uh, mm-hmm. just because of, of, of your race uh, that people need to see. And, and, you know, I know, I know you, you and I have had conversations, but, you know, whatever your platform is or whatever the conversation is would be, you know, whoever's listening, um, we got to have these conversations because they're not easy, but 
we gotta try to try to learn, especially as white white males, white females. Um, we gotta we gotta learn. We gotta listen. We gotta listen. Listen to what's needed, and and then and then be vocal, and 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 be, you know, have accountability. Did you did you watch that video? Uh, a friend send it to you. Was it on the yeah. news? Like, how did you go from, you know, taking to Instagram and mm -hmm. posting this on Wednesday? How did you get to mm -hmm. that point? Yeah, I um, I received a video from a friend. Uh, you know, I can't remember when. You know, all the days kind of blend together right now yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, but you know, I, I got the video and I didn't see. You know, I'm I'm thinking it's somewhere else. You know. I didn't see, you know, and now I see the, the Minneapolis PD on the car. And I'm, I'm just like, oh man, like that's, that's here, that's here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in a way that, that strikes, strikes more an accord, um, you know, with you. Uh, uh, if, it, if it's in your, in your hometown, in your, for lack of better terms, backyard. Mm -hmm. uh, but in, in that moment, you know, it's just disgusting. I mean, seeing, you know, a man, or I, you know, hey, I, you can't even use that 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 word. Seeing somebody place a knee on on a uh, defenseless man's neck and hold it there, I mean, you gotta be be sick to your stomach watching something like that. And then Stephen Jackson, who has led a lot of the uh, the rallies in peaceful protests in Minnesota, former NBA mm -hmm. player, a guy that I've I've can say I'm honored to be his friend. I've Mm -hmm. done a couple shows with him before been texting with him over the years and you know when when he made the point he's done it on a couple media outlets making the point uh, he did it on the today show he mentioned this is that you're hearing a man cry out for his mother yeah and his mother passed away two years ago he's he's yeah. pleading for his life and i think anyone can relate to the desperation anyone can relate to the horror of of that moment and then what Steven Jackson said after that is just so damning of the whole thing is that the cop had his uh, hand in his pockets and smirking at the camera mm -hmm. and he said in his rally in, in, in Minneapolis he said mm -hmm. you know this that that showed me that he felt protected in that moment mm -hmm. and you know when I so I grew up in a town, a suburban, white, largely white community. My high school, my public high school, 86% white, only 2% African-American in my high school. I grew up in the outskirts of, of New York City, but it is not the same demographics of New York City. And so in many ways, my upbringing was surrounded by white, uh, wealthy Americans. And so my perspective is very different than Steven Jackson, who grew up in, in Port Arthur. It's very different than Josh Okoji and, and Carl Anthony Towns and other players in the NBA. And I wanted to ask, you know, when they, when they talk to you, do you have to check your white privilege when you, when you talk to them and just say, hey, look, look, I know that I'm white, but please, please tell me your stories and don't hold back. Yeah, you know, I really... Off the top of my head, I, I I can't think to a moment where, until probably recently, where I've really acknowledged, hey, you know, I know I'm white, um, and you know, I I look at that, I feel fortunate that you know, I was able to 
and similar to you though, um, I did have, it was a community, you know, probably more, more white, um, definitely more white how I grew up, but I feel fortunate that my, my dad worked in a business where it was very diverse. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, it, it really wasn't much of a conversation, you know, because, Hey, I'm, been used to it. And I think a lot, a lot of us who, who have the, the privilege of having those, those types of diverse interactions, you know, we sometimes in a way we almost shrug it off too, because we don't think we don't want to think as much about race because yep. you almost feel in a way like, Hey, I know I'm not racist because you know, I, I just know. And yet you don't necessarily talk about it much. You don't, um, talk about, you know, the issues or, or the education uh, gap or, you know, the type of, of things that, that may happen just on a day, daily basis that you and I take for granted, but a lot of Black Americans experience multiple, multiple times a day. And they have to rethink, you know, certain things that we will say, like you said, going on a run, you know, where or you know, I've used this a number of times this week when I've, when I've spoken, but, you know, I had somebody tell me that they, they always put their cell phone on their armband, on their arm as opposed to their waistband, because they don't want somebody to mistake it for a gun, like mm. for reaching for that, which is, you know, sickening to me. And so I think what, what this has done is it's, it's started a lot of, you know, hard conversations, but these conversations have to continue. And, you know, I, I guess I, hey, I'm just trying to listen because I don't know what, what that looks like. But, you know, I know that, you know, George Floyd is going to be a name um, that's going to be spoken in Minnesota. And, you know, you see a lot of a lot of people come together, but then you see a lot of hurt right now, too. Um, but we need to have more change within our hearts and deep within our hearts right now. Yeah, you, you posted on Instagram, which is not like you, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a social media guy. <laughs> I actually yeah. think I reactivated <laughs> to do something like that. No, did you really? Uh, I, I had activated, then I took it down, then, then uh, I activated again because I'm like, yeah. So like so. that, that's, that, they're, they're barriers for you to get on your, uh, your platform and use it. But I think one of those... You know, when you when you talk about being an NBA coach, you are a leader. You're a leader of men. And even though the the players on the Minnesota Timberwolves are younger, um, I think in many ways that makes your role that much more important is to give yeah. voice to people who are might be younger and feeling like, you know, I I, you know, as a 34 year old, based on my experiences, I didn't see myself as being an important figure in this conversation. But in my conversations with my colleagues of color, of uh, my colleagues who grew up in different neighborhoods than I did. Um, they're looking at me and saying, you need to speak up, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Because as Steve Kerr said, and as Steve Nash has said, you know, it is incumbent on white Americans to speak out because we have a lot of power just by the color yeah. of our skin and the people that listen to us because we look like them, you know? So, mm -hmm. When you have had those Zoom meetings with your team, with your team, you know what are some of the things that they talk about that they want you, Ryan, or want people out there to understand about their plight and about the and inequality of yeah. uh, how we are treated in the justice system. I mean, just that right there, Tom. You know, just the the inequality 
in, in all forms and fashions. You know, these players have, have spoken up and they, they've spoken up, you know, a number of times before, you know, but unfortunately it, it, people, this keeps happening. I mean, it, it's just, it's tragic. It just keeps happening. And then a lot of people start, start speaking up and then more people start speaking up. And, you know, I think that everybody wants to be a part of a change or a lot of people want to be a part of a change right now, of change right now. And, you know, that's what, you know, the, these young men who, you know, and hey, it's painful, but, you know, hearing, hearing one of our players say that could have been me, Yeah. you, you know, that could have been me. I mean, that, that's painful to hear because you grow such a love for people, you know, especially when you're a part of a sports team um, and, and professional sports, because you're, you're together all the time. You know, you, you love the group you're with and it, it's, it, it hurts for somebody to say that that has gone through their mind, that that could have been me. And I think that's, that's a, a carrying message that, you know, it, it can be, it can be whoever, you know, if, if you're, if you're black in that moment, we, because, you know, unfortunately and tragically, they have not gotten the benefit of the doubt, you know, as we saw with George Floyd, when his hands are behind his back, he's defenseless. And he, you know, it wasn't just one officer, you know, there was, there's now a video where there are multiple officers holding him down. So, you know, that was under control. And, you yeah. know, that's painful. You mentioned it was a denial. Like, we can't be in denial anymore about this. Uh, when, you, when you wrote on Instagram, how many, how many times did you type that out? Or how many drafts? How hard was that for you to, to crystallize your words on this? Um, I mean, I think it was just trying to, trying to put thoughts to paper, put thoughts to a computer that after having, having some conversations, you know, for, you know, the previous day and here and trying to gather my emotions in those moments, you know, listening to a Josh Koji, listening to Carl, listening to a number of these guys, talking to Malik Beasley, talking to a number of guys and hearing, you know, not just, not just their feelings, but personal recounts of things that they've had to endure. You know, it, it does, it, it, it makes you feel a sense of almost guilt. You know, wow, I, I, I feel terrible for these, these guys that they've had, had, to, had to deal with this. And this has been, in, had to be in the back of their minds. So, I mean, you just put thoughts to, to paper or th thoughts to a computer and, you know, you just, you just hope that you can convey your feelings in a way that people know that, you know, we stand with our brothers and sisters who don't look like us. You know, we, we want to be a part of change. Yeah, what was the feeling like when you saw Carl Anthony Towns there in public um, just you know, weeks after his mother passed away, yeah. tragically from, from COVID-19? For many people, it was the first time we had seen Carl Anthony Towns since that, that news hit, that terrible mm -hmm. uh, news hit. So did you know that he was going to go um, and speak or at least be there? Yeah, I did. I did. And, but, but seeing him, you know, was a different feeling. And I was watching with my wife, you know, she starts tearing up. Um, I start tearing up. I mean, it, you know, you see, you see a man who just lost his mother yet, you know, he's in the grieving process yet. This is so, this is so important and such an important time in our, in our country that he felt, he could find enough strength to go stand up in front of 
others and stand up for what's right. You know, I, I just, I know his, his mother, Jackie, would be so proud of him right now. And, you know, he's the type of leader you want to, you want to be with. All right, let's take a quick break to hear about a podcast that should be in your rotation. This is Mike Tirico introducing you to Sports Uncovered. When I lose the sense of motivation and the sense of to prove something as a basketball player, it's time for me to move away from the game of basketball. Quote unquote, I'm back. I'm back. The two-word facts from Michael Jordan announcing the most famous comeback in NBA history. That's the most impactful two words ever. Subscribe to Sports Uncovered right now to get the Michael Jordan episode automatically downloaded on May 28th. Now, back to the conversation. Did you, in your moment when you wrote your Instagram post, you knew that this wasn't over? Like, as soon as you wrote that, you, you, people might be like, okay, maybe it was just a, a statement you put out there, but it seems like you want to be more about actions and going forward, what can you do to help this, you know, enact change, actual change? And that's always a burden that I think a lot of us feel is like, if we tweet something out, that might not be enough, you know, just raising your fist in, in, a, in an emoji or writing something on, on social media, writing an article, it might not be enough. So what are the Minnesota Timberwolves and the conversations you've had where yeah. you feel like, okay, it's not enough to say things or have these platitudes mm-hmm. out there. We need to actually do, do some meaningful actions. So is there any, mm-hmm. any sort of plans for you as a coach and as an organization going forward, yeah. what you can do to enact that change? Yeah. I mean, we have a number of, of, things that we're talking about as an organization, you know, that aren't just in the short term, but, you know, plans and, and, and I guess philosophies and, and ways of doing things for the long term um, that, that we're talking about, you know, whether it be, you know, on, on the basketball side or, or the business side. Uh, so we've, we've been going through a number of, of those uh, types of, of initiatives to move forward. And then, you know, I'll say, you know, being from Minnesota, and this being the epicenter of, of, you know, kind of of everything that's happened over the last, you know, week here, week or so here, you know, there's a lot of players that I played with in college here at the University of Minnesota that, you know, live back here and who are, or who are from those communities that have been hit, you know, so hard by either, either the, the demonstrations, um, you know, burning buildings uh, or, you know, just, just everything, the, the social gap feel. Uh, so I'm, I'm having conversations with, with those guys, with other people on, on how we can change. And I mean, it's Minnesota's, there's been so many negatives shown in this last week, I think, just in, in, on TV. And, you know, obviously, rightfully so, you know, they, they need to be shown, you know, but we also are seeing a lot of good people in Minnesota, um, you know, trying to come together. Uh, but my, I guess my challenge would, would be that we just need to keep this going. And, you know, it needs to be where we're having these hard conversations where, you know, we bring up uh, maybe questions that we may have um, to try to, like I said, you know, initially, you know, to try to uh, attack, you know, implicit or explicit biases um, that, that we may have. Yeah. That's a big step, man. That's mm-hmm. a big step for, for, Americans to check themselves and say, what kind of biases would I, do I have? Do I harbor that I don't even know about? Yeah. And, and the fact of the matter is like, even just thinking that this can't happen in your community, yeah. part of it, right? 
is is yeah. like it's an other problem it's not me right it's it, yeah. it wouldn't happen in my backyard but it's happening mm -hmm. like in charlotte when i moved to charlotte in 2016 uh keith scott riots were happening protests in charlotte in the uptown and mm -hmm. this was in 2016 when an, an unarmed uh black man was was killed at the hands of police and there's disagreements about whether he was armed or not his family was contending that he had a book in his hand and the yeah. and the the police department was saying that yeah, it was a firearm mm -hmm. and so there were there were protests in the city of charlotte you know three three four years ago and i i got to imagine that when you're josh akoji when you're coming from atlanta and you yeah. just just were dealing with your emotions about and the grief about ahmaud arbery like now now he has to deal with this in in minneapolis and he's taken yeah the baton but it, it does it does strike me as you you had the same feelings as i have is like wow mm -hmm. it really hit home once it hit yeah. charlotte or it hit my my neck of the woods and yeah. i i want to ask so what is what is minnesota to you like when you when you found out that this was happening in your in your backyard so to speak what kind of images did it conjure up of your childhood your dealings with the city university of minnesota that frustrate you about this being the epicenter of this particular uh, high-profile killing? I mean, you know, just you, you feel almost, you feel embarrassed. It, I mean, I, I guess it is the only word to use in that moment because, you know, your picture of Minnesota is not what's being shown. You know, your, your picture of Minnesota, you know, was, you know, positive, you know, positive feelings. And, you know, a lot of things, but a lot of that is because I grew up in an area that, you know, did have some white privilege. And, and you know, I'm not, I probably would not have said that, you know, a week, a week ago or two weeks ago. But, you know, since seeing, you know, George Floyd murdered, you know, I feel, I feel that I have to say that because, you know, if, if I say that, maybe somebody else will say that too and acknowledge that. And then we can we can start some other conversations. Yeah. Because you know, I, I mean, it's it, it just hits home. It, it hits home because it's it's close to you. But it also it needs to hit home just because it's right. And um, you know, it, it's uh, it's just hard to even even kind of put into words. You know, I think the, the feelings that that you feel uh, when you see so many people in, in so much pain, and uh, you know, I guess in, in a way you 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 wish there was more conversation that you could have helped drum up conversation before uh, a man was senselessly killed. So did you, did you think of people in your life that you knew you were going to offend? Cause I think when I, when I think about this in my peer group, um, the, the people in my network, there are times where I think to myself, man, my uncle or so-and-so down the street that I grew up is really going to hate that I'm coming out and speaking out for social justice when it comes to, you know, police brutality or the abuse of power from law enforcement. Growing up as a white male, you kind of internalize a lot of what people you respect growing up. And then you grow older and Facebook happens and you see that a lot of people you grew up have very, very different views than you did. And yeah. part of, part of, checking your white privilege part of coming out and recognizing i had a a different uh much a different lens growing up than say a, a colleague of mine 
Part yeah. of that is understanding that you might lose some people who, uh, some people of support. Did, mm-hmm. Do you feel that at all? Do you feel that tension of, I know that a lot of people I grew up with or a lot of people might be offended by this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah. You know, yes and no. I mean, you know, because you, I, I knew that I knew what was right. You know, I, I knew that some people would just probably want to say or say that they're in their own home, you know, uh, he should, he should just stick to basketball. <laughs> you know, he should just stick to, you know, what he's, what he's paid to do. But, you know, if, if you have a, a way that you want to live your life, if you have a way that you want to do things, you know, on my end, I feel like my occupation is very important, but my occupation is not ultimately what defines me. And I think that's what, what pushed me to, to speak out. But it's, it, once again, it goes back to, you know, you're sad because you speak out, yet people have, this is something that isn't, you know, I could, I could wake up tomorrow and make a choice to say, hey, I'm just not gonna speak out anymore. And in a way, it probably just wouldn't become my problem anymore. But there's other individuals, a lot, a lot of individuals that I love that you know you you battle with, you game plan with, you you know you you grow up with, you know whoever it is, you know you go to church with. There's a lot of individuals I love that don't get to make that choice. Yeah. And no matter what, they're going to have to think about where they're going to put their phone when they go running. All right, what are they going to wear here? You know, are so so many different things that I'm just trying to learn a little bit more um, and just empathize. Yeah, we went. Uh, my buddy and I, Amin, uh, who's Sudanese, we went to a, uh, a restaurant slash bar in Miami one night, just the two of us, and they wouldn't let him in because he was wearing shorts. And the bouncer said, "No, you're not allowed in because you're wearing shorts." And he looks at the bar and restaurant and sees like a bunch of people inside wearing shorts. And he's like, what? Like, I can't wear shorts? Look. And they refused him into the, into the restaurant at that point. And I was sitting there being like, if my buddy was white, do you think they would have let him in? You know, just thinking to myself, like, just trying to switch the yeah. conversation. And there are a lot of moments in my life where I imagine, you know, something terrible happening uh, and just not being able, like, the image that pops into my head is not of a white person. It's like, like, what George, what happened to George Floyd? It's so hard to imagine that this would happen to a white person because we simply haven't seen this before. We haven't felt this before in our own lives where you've watched um, someone at the hands of law enforcement be unjustly held in in custody. And it just doesn't happen that much in my white friends. It didn't, it didn't. And so I think basketball is an equalizer for like, for me growing up and playing hoops, like in my high school, there is a huge disparity of in Fairfield County, Connecticut in Greenwich, Connecticut is some of the richest people in the world live in Greenwich, Connecticut. And then you have Bridgeport, Connecticut. Bridgeport is a predominantly African-American community. It is, it is a hard, hard city, right? We played in the same basketball leagues. And for me stepping onto the court, that was a lot of times the, the time that I was going to be exposed or my experiences were with African-Americans yeah. and that was it. Like the basketball court. Yeah. And yeah. for a lot of people, they don't have that exposure period. If you weren't playing sports, a lot of people weren't having those experiences 
with people of a different race and that diversity. And so I think in some ways, basketball has brought me closer to this conversation in ways that I'm so thankful for, because I can imagine um, being in a bubble where I did not uh, yeah. have friends who were black. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm glad you bring that up because in a way you have to say that you're thankful for that because some people don't have that, have never had that. And I, you know, I told somebody the other day that uh, back when my dad was coaching in the CBA or he was coaching, you know, in, in lacrosse, um, I remember there were players that, that might have gotten, uh, you know, might have been signed for, I don't know what the contract was, you know, back then, but a 10 day contract or a player that was kind of a fringe NBA guy that, you know, maybe got cut from the team, but you knew it was going to be, you know, my dad knew, hey, this is only going to be a few games because he's going to get called back up somewhere because um, he's that good. And, you know, I knew that, like, and there were times where these guys would just live at our house and, you know, they'd just be around. They'd be at dinner. They'd be, and so it, I feel fortunate that it never was an issue for my family because it was always just normal. So some of your dad's because, players would stay at your house? Yeah. I mean, back, back in the CBA, I mean, that, that was just how it was. Yeah. I mean, and, and it was, you know, everyone's trying to save money. And, uh, you know, the organization's trying to save money. The players are trying to save money. Everyone. And, you know, but with that, basketball was ultimately the equalizer and the vehicle to help teach diversity to a lot of people uh, that, that look like me and you. And, you know, that's, I think that's something that, you know, just in conversations, um, you know, could be a, a driver. I, I had a, a teammate I used to play college ball with uh, here at the University of Minnesota the other day who does work in the community um, out here uh, in South Minneapolis say, you know, how can we build relationships between some of the sub suburban kids and some of the inner city kids at a young age so that, so that they can, they can, figure out who each other are as people before these implicit biases or any type of, of racism could ever be ingrained in them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I just think it's, you know, it's a question that, you know, you, you want to be a part of the conversation, but, you know, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't say that lightly because I have a choice to be a part of the conversation. So many people have never had a choice of being part of this conversation. They just have to live out this racism. And that's, that's why it's, it's so important that George Floyd isn't just another black man that's, that's killed. My, uh, a buddy of mine from home, his name is Mike Evans, and he does a wonderful thing called Full Court Peace. And he uses basketball as that bridge to, to overcome those divides, whether it's racially, whether it's uh, class, uh, religion, and he goes all over the world to bring communities together that otherwise would never, ever associate themselves with that other class, other, other subgroup. And uh, it's those types of conversations that are able to be had because of basketball, because of the Minnesota Timberwolves, because yeah. Ryan Saunders is coming out and saying this, he is now uh, on the national airwaves because you know, in many ways, people will listen to someone who looks like them more than yeah. they uh, yeah. to someone who doesn't look like them. And so I think that's the rub is people think, hey, I don't have power in this conversation because I don't, I'm not, 
it doesn't affect me for, on a personal level that I'm mm -hmm. not going to go outside and, and be prejudiced against. You know, I'm not going to be at the hands of persecution or discrimination. So it's not my problem. But it is your problem because it's, it's your responsibility. Now that, now that you have this power that people will actually listen to you more so because of the way you look, I mean, that is, that is an important key to this whole thing. It is. And, you know, I hope that, that more people that look like me and you um, will speak out and, you know, speak out, you know, with an open heart because, you know, our brothers and sisters um, that don't look like us need us. You know, they need us because, you know, it's, it, it's a, if, if you, if you look at it from, from a, a race perspective, you know, you're, you're already go, going to lose in ultimately what matters in life. And that's, you know, having, having a heart where you can, you can be somebody uh, that can love somebody else because, you know, the hatred, there's just no time for that anymore. There's too many other things going on in this world. Uh, so just coming together, um, you know, and, and staying together and, and making sure that, that this is, this is a, a lasting, that lasting change can happen. Um, we got to do everything we can. And I don't, you know, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if anybody knows what that looks like. We just got to do whatever we can. Well, uh, very thankful to have this conversation with you, uh, coach. And I know, um, I know this has been a really trying time for you and, and the Minnesota family, uh, but do not feel that this is only on your shoulder. This is on everybody's shoulders. And, and, you know, I've been tracking this league wide is that almost every NBA team has made a public statement about um, George Floyd and those who were uh, killed recently at the hands of, of police. Um, and the, you know, this, the injustice that's going around uh, in this country. And I think one of the things that, is unique about the NBA is you do not see this in other leagues. You do not yeah. see this. Um, I don't know what that says about the other leagues or what that means about the NBA, but I do know that uh, in terms of the player level and team level, uh, there's more of these conversations happening in the NBA than you might see in other lines of work. So um, yeah, uh, we'll be curious to see um, where this goes and the positive changes that can happen. Um, but if there's anything that, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves are working on or uh, that, that your teammate, your, your, that the players are working on or anything that you need people to know about, uh, please let me know. Yeah, I appreciate you, Tom. Thanks a lot for having me on here. And, uh, you know, it's uh, whatever platform any of us have. Um, and even if it's a, we feel it's a small platform, just to, if, if you get, you know, two minutes to talk at a dinner table, um, I think the time is now to, to work to, create the type of America that we want our, our children to grow up in. So I uh, really hope that, uh, that we can all do that. All right. Uh, and hopefully we'll get some basketball soon. That'd be nice. It'd be <laughs> nice to, to talk, talk and, and play more basketball. Yes. Do you have a, do you have a hoop at your house? You know what? I don't, but I, I literally just che checked, uh, my email before I came on with you and I, I got a, uh, I got a, uh, form uh to purchase a basketball hoop, a credit card card operation operation um, organization form uh, so I'm, I'm in the process of it oh wow <laughs> really in the process of it one of the things you realize when you have uh small kids is yeah hoops are not cheap 
Oh, I'm I'm see I'm seeing that pre pretty quick here. So it's uh yeah no that, that's that's definitely uh, something. My, my son turns one uh, this coming Sunday here, so maybe I'll I'll count this as one of his his uh his birthday gifts. Yes, yes, one of those gifts that you give to your kids, and you're like, actually, I'm going to use this more than you are. Um, <laughs> All right, well, Ryan, uh, thanks so much and um, best to you and yours. And uh, hopefully we'll keep this conversation going further with uh, more substantial action. And uh, hopefully we will be taking positive steps going forward. Will do, Tom. Sounds good. All right, I wanna thank Ryan Saunders for joining me um, and speaking out on this matter. Super important that we get have these conversations. It's healthy, um, might be out of your comfort zone even to listen to it. Um, but this is how we move the needle. This is how we make change. So I uh, appreciate Ryan Saunders using his platform and his voice to try to make the world a better place. Um, and if you haven't listened yet, on Friday, I joined the Run and Plays podcast uh, at NBC Sports Bay Area to talk with Logan Murdoch um, of their Warriors coverage. He's a Warriors insider along with Monty Poole. And um, I think we had uh, an honest conversation about where we come from and, and how do we get to where we want to be. And uh, so go listen to that. It's running plays wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, so thanks so much for listening and please subscribe, rate and review whenever you get a chance. Uh, and until next time on the Haver show.